Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow podcasters. Check us out on the web at nomcastpod.com. Follow us on the socials at nomcastpod. And most importantly, listen and subscribe to us wherever you get podcasts. Hit that beat one time. Forgotten Cinema is getting romantic for our eighth season and just in time for Valentine's Day as we cover the 90s ensemble drama, Beautiful Girls. We'll then do a complete 180 as we dive into some spy films, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy and Spy Game. We'll find out why white men can't jump and whether you should shoot to kill while enjoying a Frankenweenie. Nope, that doesn't make any sense. You know what else doesn't make sense? This season will also feature our 100th episode of Forgotten Cinema. Feels like 100 years. Don't I know it. Forgotten Cinema. Never stop, never stopping. Yes, that's a hint. Part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Mike Field. And I'm Pat Whalen. Pat is a lifelong comic book geek. And Mike is a filmmaker and storyteller. So naturally, a bulk of our conversations surround the world of the Marvel movies. Some consider the MCU one of the greatest achievements in modern day filmmaking. And others just think they're comic book movies. Each episode, we'll tackle one film and discuss the differences between the comic book and what's on screen. We'll explore the growth of the Marvel Cinematic Universe from its inception to present day and beyond and have a little fun along the way. You may not have asked for it. You certainly don't need it, but you'll be happy we're here. We think this is yet another MCU podcast. Pat, you ready for Captain Marvel? Oh man, I get knocked down and I get up again and I'm never going to get me down. I get knocked down. A little uh, chumbawamba. Nice, nice. All right. As you know, we like to do I am Mike and that is Pat. I'm pointing to him, but you can't see that. So that's a little weird. Uh, We're going to be talking about Captain Marvel today. We talk about the movie. Then we talk about the difference between the movie and the comics. And then we talk about them. This movie within the MCU, which Pat has major problems with, apparently. Correct? All of the problems. All of the problems. problems. Pat has all the problems. So let's... Let's get right into it. Captain Marvel was a runtime of 123 minutes, rated PG-13. Surprise. Uh, production budget of $160 million. There's the magic dollar number again. In, uh, in between the, yep, the, the sweet spot. Around, there's the sweet spot. We're on to you, uh, Kevin Feige. We're on to you. Released day Friday, March 8th, <laughs> 2019. Had an opening weekend of $153 million. So when you pretty much, when you almost make your entire production budget back in the opening weekend, it's a big hit. Uh, domestic did 426 and then worldwide did $1.1 billion. That surprised me. Yeah. Me too. Uh, I didn't realize it made that much money, which, you know, good for that movie. Good job. Good job. So you have a lot of people in this that have made this movie in terms of behind the screen and on the screen that have not been in anything mm-hmm. or not done any Marvel movies. You have two directors here, Anna Bowden and Ryan Fleck. Uh, they also have a screenplay and story credit. Yeah, Geneva Robertson. <laughs> Dwarit, I apologize if I said your name wrong. Uh, she's also has a screenplay and story credit, and also two story credits for Meg Lafouve, Lafave. I don't know. I'm just having a great time today. I know. Why do I get all the weird names and then all the hard names? Apologies, not weird names. And Nicole Perlman, which you might remember from uh, the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, okay. She has a story credit here. Nice. And you also have another Guardians of the Galaxy connection with Ben Davis as a cinematographer, and then composer Pinar Toprak, and produced by obviously Mr. Feige. Brie Larson makes her appearance now or makes her first appearances into the MCU, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So she plays Carol Danvers, also known as Veers, also known as Captain Marvel. You have Sam Jackson as Nick Fury. Ben Mendelsohn is here as Talos or Keller. Jude Law is Jan Rog. Is that right? That's right. Okay. This is his first MCU movie. And at Benning, she's Wendy Lawson and she's the supreme intelligence in terms of how Danvers sees her. Correct. Yes, yeah. correct. Digimon Hansu as Korath. Uh, he is also from Guardians of the Galaxy. I guess that opening scene. Yes. That's it. Yep. Yeah. I don't understand why they have him in both. I'll get to it. Okay. Well, I'm hoping, you know, with him, I'm just going to get right to the point. Just give him a Disney Plus show. Show <laughs> us between Captain Marvel and Guardians. I'm not of the really Galaxy. interested in his character though, because he's always getting. Yeah, but I'm interested in the actor. Oh no, I like him. I'm saying I don't that care about his character. His, I just want to give him the show. He's crapped on in GOTG, as we like to call it here, by uh, Star Lord, and then he's kind of just here. Yeah. Anyways, you know, Lee Pace makes his return as Ronan, which I completely forgot about. Lashana Lynch as Maria. Rambo, she is Danvers' friend in the previous life before she became Veers. Mm-hmm. Gemma Chan as Minerva. 
And Clark Gregg is Agent Coulson. Clark Gregg is back. Agent Coulson is here. He's not a robot. He's a real life person with a big top, big high top hair. <laughs> he looks so weird. Welcome movie. to the 90s. <laughs> yeah, Mike, did you know that this movie took place in the 90s? Were there enough references to it, to the 90s in this movie to make sure that you knew that it took place in the 90s? Here's the thing. When she lands into the blockbuster and she's inside, and she's walking around. It was so familiar to me. Like I looking in there and I'm going, yeah, man, I remember. I, was I at this blockbuster? Like I remember it. And then it made me instantly sad because I felt old. But it's just like it was. Yes, everyone. That's how blockbuster it looked like yeah. inside. It was it was a nice job. But yeah, I know. Well, just the opening where the blockbuster video when she steals the nine inch nails and then all the rest the, of the clothing and, and the music and the music, the music definitely. Yeah. But like I. I don't mind it because I don't mind the 90s. So, right. you know, that's true. but I hear you. It's not as overt as maybe like sometimes Stranger Things, the Netflix show yes. wants to make sure that, you know, gets you're in a the 80s. little too much with the yeah. 80s in ter- you know, in terms of just they have every single thing that came out. They talk about every single hot button 80s thing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I- they, they reference, you know, you you can imagine them saying. Well, Alf was fighting the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in the cartoon to tell you to stop doing drugs because Nancy Reagan said no. Like, <laughs> you could imagine that's a statement from Stranger Things. Right. So that's a little bit more in your face with it. And listen, that's what that's Stranger Things, if for lack of a better term, thing. And that's that's fine. I didn't find that as much in this one and maybe in the beginning. But then when once the action and all the stuff started kicking in, it really kind of didn't matter. You okay? okay, we're in the 90s. But I hear enough. Fair enough. But what's the first thing that struck you when you started watching the movie? The very first thing. Oh, right. Stanley passed away before this movie. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. Because you get they changed the the Marvel logo in the credits. Right. Right. Which is fine. I just it was just so I'm watching it. I'm like, oh, wait. Okay. All right. Here we go. And then I was like, oh. But they've changed the they've done actually the same thing uh, for those who have watched Black Panther since Chadwick Boseman's passing on Disney Plus. They've changed the Marvel logo. Oh, really? To reflect Chadwick's. I I watched it. I didn't remember that. Oh, I don't know. Maybe they didn't change it right away because we recorded almost immediately after or shortly after. Okay, so you've watched it since then. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'll have to go back and see. I have to see what, what. So they just have him. Yeah. In it, the it, movie or from other stuff? From his role in, in as Black Panther. Okay, so it's just basically him. Yes. Oh, okay. Is and I all, think a few, you know, shots with other characters. Is it all purple and black and yes. gold? Oh, yep. that's cool. Yeah. I should I should check that out. Uh, I'm a, that probably looks pretty. All right. So let's we're not talking about them, but we're talking about Captain Marvel. Where do you want to start? I you don't like this movie. No, it's it's a fine movie. It's just fine. It's fine. My biggest. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's just fine. It's fine. One of the things I think that in this movie, I don't hate this movie as much as Pat does. Pat does not like this movie. He don't don't pretend to pretend. Don't don't listen to him. Don't listen to him. It's fine. He's he, he bad mouths this movie constantly. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. When we get to the connections to the MCU, you're all going to realize why I hate this movie. That's fine. OK, that's that's fair. I think what they do a good job in this movie of is setting up the mystery in the beginning. So the mystery of who Veers is granted, yeah. it's not really a stretch when you know her, if you know what her name is, mm-hmm. Danvers and you're, right. Oh, wow. Veers. And, and it's, technically it should be Vers because Veers would be V-E-E-R, but yeah. that's fine. Uh, <laughs> but they do set up that mystery of who am I? I don't know who I am. I do like the opening fight scene on the ship. I thought that was. Oh, well. yeah. Yep. Uh, that was thought, good. Yeah. Is Brie Larson a good actress or do they just not give her a personality? She won an Oscar. Yeah. But did they not give Captain? Is, is it just Captain Marvel then? Who doesn't have that much of a personality? And is it the issue of her not knowing who she is for 90% of the movie that makes her a boring character? Well, there's never really a moment in the movie where she figures out so completely who she is. Mm-hmm. They never have that moment. You kind of get the idea that eventually, oh, yeah, she's figured it out. I would not lay the Captain Marvel character at her, uh, the, the responsibility yeah. or the, the irresponsibility of the character at her feet. No, it's obviously the right. And there's five people that wrote this, which is not a good sign. Right. You can definitely tell that that's her personality mm-hmm. in uh, in the role. But in terms of any kind of emotional connection, there's probably more this with the stuff with with the family, with Rimbo and her yeah. and her daughter. That stuff is good. It's great. The chemistry with Samuel Jackson is great. Right. And there's actually even the cutscene at the end of the movie, which I found out they shot before they even shot this movie. Yes. And she was only brought in and they weren't even in the set together. Did you read that? Yeah. Like, the, why? I don't know. <laughs> so, she's- so the cutscene, the te- teaser at the end of this movie, they filmed because it, it ties in with the rest of the Avengers setting up Endgame. They filmed that before this movie, I think, was even written. Correct. 
And so there was, you know, when she did that scene, she had no idea who the character of Carol Danvers was right. going to be. You know, you could read the comics, you could figure it out, but she had no idea what the character was going to be like in the MCU, which mm-hmm. is, un, you know, is, I guess, drives to my question too. Is it, is it just an unfortunate circumstance that they put Brie Larson in with this character? No, I, I mean, she, like I said, you don't win an Oscar because you just got lucky. Granted, I know, I know there's some examples of people that have won Oscars and then you never hear from them again. Yeah. Marissa Vino is one of those mm-hmm. people that pop into my mind. Even I know that Marissa Tomei it, won the Oscar for My Cousin Vinny, but then you kind of, you never see her again in the Oscar realm. But right. I've seen her in enough stuff where, I, like, oh, what's the movie with Nick Stahl? Is it In the Bedroom? I think it's that one. She's fantastic in that mm-hmm. movie. When I, I think you won an Oscar, you got chops. Marissa Tomei, there was a great Comedy Central skit where it's like, oh, you've now entered, you know, you're, you're 31. You've now entered wa- uh, aunt territory. Oh, right. You right, know, yeah. Hollywood writes you off the minute you, you uh, turn 30. Which, so yeah, is I think a, yeah. Marissa Tomei was a victim of that. Nowadays, it's not as much of an issue because of, of the push for equality and, and you have really quality actors well, also, and everything. Well, it's and, also a stupid reason why you shouldn't be able to get roles. Absolutely stupid but reason. Pat, I don't, I, don't kid yourself. That stuff still goes on. Please yeah. don't kid yourself. People can say the right things all the time, and they do. There are still people in Hollywood that act with different rules. Yes. So that's just, yep. but I hear yeah. what you're saying. No, I, I I think she gets unfair. I'm talking about Brie Larson now. It's unfair to criticize her if you do not like the Captain Marvel character or the or the how she was written, the character itself. That's not Larson's fault. Right. You know, but she, I thought she was fine. I thought she was perfectly good. Uh, I was my biggest thing when I watched this movie was I remember in the trailer, there was a line in the trailer that she says, and it was, I can't remember what I right now off the top of my head, mm-hmm. I can't remember what it was, but it, the way it comes off in the trailer, it's fairly clueless, like, yeah. like in terms of the movie clueless. And I didn't like it in the trailer. I was like, Oh, I hate that line. Don't please. And so when we watched the movie, they cut the line out. Oh, okay. And I was so happy about that. Cause I thought that line made me not like, I didn't want to see the movie. But when I when the line was cut out, I I remember saying whoever I was with, I was like, oh, okay, thank God they took out that yeah. line because I wasn't a favorite. I didn't like that line, and they probably recognized that as well. But in the story itself, so we don't. Here's the thing again that we always have an issue with Marvel movies. Who is the villain? Uh, the supreme intelligence, I guess. Maybe yeah. Jan Rog is the the kind of henchman. I don't know. Well, the, Lee Pace shows up and he's about to bomb Earth, what, right? Like who? Lee Pace shows up for comic relief. Yeah, which is not who the character was yeah. 20 years from now, you know, in, in the Marvel timeline. So Ronan shows up just to to be a threat so that Captain Marvel can, you can see Captain Marvel's full power, and then he cracks a line and they leave. Right. And it's like, oh, ha, ha, yeah. ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you know, Jan Rog and the Supreme Intelligence real goal is to keep her in the dark because they want to keep fighting a war that we Harness, never see. Limit her power. So that they could keep fighting this war and but use her in the war instead of unleashing her power and using it in the war. Yeah. And and they call her. I mean, that gets called out in the movie, too. But yeah, I don't. Is it her overcoming? Is that what is it just a is is the villain, the antagonist? her overcoming her challenges to become who she's supposed to be? Is that what it is? Well, the mystery of the movie is her discovering who she really is. Right, and then but she, she realizes she's Carol Danvers fifty minutes into the movie. Right, right, and then it becomes, and and then they have the whole thing where they're she's fighting after the uh, scrolls, right? Yeah. Then the scrolls show up and be like, "Hey, you know, I'm drinking my milkshake here, so but just chill out because mm-hmm. you know you really need to know the true story of who we are and what we are." Which this is another part <laughs> I did not. I mean, first of all, that the scrolls being these refugees wasn't compelling. Mm-hmm. At all to me, and it felt tacked on for the political climate that we were in. It was a political shot, really. Yeah, okay, I think so. At the, at the Trump administration, like, let's be honest, there was only ten of them. On, yeah. uh, I mean, there's no other scrolls in the world. There's only ten. I don't know. Yeah, and Jan Rog's crew that he's with, none of them. They all are lockstep. Once they see the scrolls and their kids. And see, they're not warriors. They're mm-hmm. all lockstep. And yeah, let's get rid of these scum. Nobody is like, well, hang on, guys. They've been, and no one says anything. Like Minerva is such, I'm a villain and that's it. I don't care. Like she, she looked like a character from like Fortnite or Overwatch or something. <laughs> like, yeah, I didn't like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's start at the beginning because okay. let's go back to the let's beginning. Let's go back. I didn't understand what their mission was 
in the beginning of the movie. They were going to meet one of their contacts or one of their soldiers. They were going to meet an undercover agent and they were going to extract him from the scroll planet. And he was supposed to have some information for them. And but related the, to scroll movements. And the fact that he had the code, he knew the, the special code in order for them to know it was him. Mm-hmm. But it, but he was really a scroll. Who who are we supposed to I don't forget who told him the code? Like, do they even go into that? Like who like somebody is obviously a mole, right? Right. And is that who is that? I don't know. Because Which, Jan, because Jan Rog is I, I can't tell if Jan Rog was using them. Well, I'm a little confused mm-hmm. at, at at like maybe we'll get into this in MCU, but knowing what I know from Guardians of the Galaxy, I'm a little confused as to the good guy, bad guys, what's going on? How far are we from that? Why are they now fighting? Why are they now friends? I don't understand what's happening. So the Krees and the Skulls have always fought each other. The, the Krees being the, the blue-skinned aliens, the Skrulls, the, the, the greenish. The shapeshifters. The shapeshifters. There's the Krees, but then you have Ronan's subsection of the Krees, which are these like neo, these, these radicalists, these, these terrorists, essentially operating as Krees, but really, you know, trying to inflict their their control on the galaxy. And that's that's Lee Pace's character that we meet in Guardians, where he's he's become entirely radicalized. I noticed that because he doesn't have the blood or yeah. the, and the so black in this, makeup he's on. Still like, I think I think he's still working with the rest of the Kree Empire. Are we assuming that he's not working with Thanos at this point? Yes. OK, yeah. Oh, that's it. That's all. Yeah. Yes. So, what are the what's the what's the yes or no question? What's the name of the okay the planet that Glenn Close is on in Guardians? Nova Prime. And who, those are who? Those, those are the Nova Corps. They're like okay. the galaxy policemen. Okay, I'm confused. Okay, then that was what I was confusing with. All right, so it's a little confusing in the beginning. She lands on Earth, and you meet young Nick Fury, young Agent Coulson. What do you think of the the de aging? Made me just want to watch the Negotiator. You know what? That's an episode of Forgotten Cinema. I knew that. Uh, nice, to nice. that. But I love the negotiator. He, Sam, hair, I don't know why his hair is colored in that movie. He's got his, his hair's red in the negotiator. Yes, but in this terrible. movie, he looks the rest of him looks as young as he did in the negotiator. So I thought it was a really well well done job that they did. One of my complaints all the time about de aging, and I say this on the other podcast, is that you can de age faces, but you can't de age walks. Mm-hmm. You can't de age the age out of somebody how they look in terms of running and walking. But I will say this: Sam Jackson does a fine job hiding it. Like he's, he's in shape do, too. He ages well. Let's put it like de ages yeah, well. De ages well too. You know, obviously that's not him all the time doing the action but he's running enough where i'm just like that doesn't look like a 70 year old right. man or 60 year old. i don't know how old he is you know he's, he's 70 he's in he's, his 70s he's in his, he's in his yeah. late 60s early 70s yeah. something like that no no i was i was impressed with that it's cool having him in there yes but i would have been okay with a young actor playing fury i would have yeah. been okay with that i you know i think you want to open it up to another audience and i know if you want to have Jackson in there bookending it in terms of like, I remember back in the yeah. day, like something like that. I mean, but I would have been okay with that. We've had the same conversation about Ant-Man and the Wasp yep. where I would have been okay if they. De- uh, not de-aged. But had Bill Foster had, be a younger. Character. Or had Bill yeah. Foster too. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm really okay with that. But yeah. it's fine either he played way. A good, and they had really good. I said this before that they have really good chemistry in this movie. I think Sam Jackson yes. has really good chemistry with everybody. It's almost like a buddy cop movie. Yes. Well, Sam Jackson's a good actor. He is. So he knows you can probably uh, Sam Jackson is one of those actors that you can put him in a bad movie, but he will be good in it because yeah. he knows he's he knows how to uh, attack a character. He knows what to do and he knows right. how to I'm, he knows the character to play. Where, where do you do you get stuck in the story again or or what? Well, I think there's decent action. I think when she's chasing the scroll on the train. And that was the, good. And you get yes, the Stanley cameo, really which I like that Stanley cameo for a couple of reasons. One, I like mall rats. This is actually one of my favorite Stanley cameos yeah, as but, well. But do you, did you read that? That's not him doing the voice. They took. So this is again, just not to bring everyone down. So when Stanley was on the set, he was in declining health at this mm. point. So he's there, but they took his dialogue from Mallrats that he's saying that line and they just dubbed it repeating over and over like he was practicing his line. He's not saying anything uh, that's okay. from Mallrats, which that made me sad too. But it did. But that, I, I like that cameo because I, I remember Mallrats. I remember yeah. seeing Mallrats and I enjoyed Mallrats. So yeah, no, that, that, that was fine. But that whole action scene's good when she beats the crap of the old lady. That is fun. Yep. Yeah. And I, I, my favorite, one of my favorite parts in that scene is when that he changes to that dude and he jumps up and the other guy, the guy that he changes to, he like lifts up. It's like, what the? Yeah. yeah, like that stuff was good. So I didn't mind that. The action was fine. I enjoyed that. Action throughout most of the movie is really good. Like you said, the bridge fight is good. Yeah. The the scene on the train, even the one when they're in the ship at the end is yeah. really good. Good, good fight scenes. Yeah. Overall. It's, it's, 
when she gets her main powers, I think that's when, not that I lose interest, but it's okay. I'm going to get to that when yeah. we get to the MCU connections because I got some, I got some <laughs> takes on that too. Got some hot takes. Uh, At this point, so, they might be cold. <laughs> when they go into the Pegasus and they go to see Project Pegasus, which is what we remember from Captain America, the first one? No, from the first Avengers. From the first Avengers. When they go into Pegasus, did you get a War Games vibe? Was that the yes. same place that they shot War Games? I believe so. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> For those who don't know what War Games is, check it out. It's an 80s film starring Matthew Broderick and Ali Sheedy. It's really good. So what's a Flurgan? It's it's the cat. Yeah, it's, but it's an alien that looks like a cat. Is that thing they make, they make this up for the no, movie? No, they make okay. this up. It's in the comics. We'll get there. there. What else did you... No, I'll tell you what tell I like. Tell me what you liked. What I really liked like? when we finally figure out... I liked Annette Benning's character a lot in this movie, both as, as Dr. Wendy Lawson, but also when she becomes like when, when Veers, Carol Danvers, you know, finally figures out who she is and she's, she's captured at the end of the movie. Oh, when she's in with she, the Supreme Intelligence, she's which, in with the I Supreme. didn't realize, which is a mobile unit. You can actually just have Supreme yeah, Intelligence wherever you're going. Yeah. I thought right. you had to actually like, here's my it's thing. It's coming to the PlayStation five. Next <laughs> <year>. <laughs> in the, beginning of the movie she is i have to go see the supreme tell she has to make this bit she's taking this trip she walks up these giant stairs she goes into this giant room and yeah. she's there for the supreme intelligence but at the end it's just like oh let's just hook you up she's right here <laughs> right here's some string what is the difference here all right so go ahead when we finally realize the supreme intelligence is on the wrong side and we know who carol is Wait, and everything you should have known that we should have known yeah. that but like when it's finally revealed within the story annette benning just chews up that scenery like great and it is a fantastic performance. She also stands that. weird in this movie. She's she every time you see her, she's got her foot forward and she's yeah. all like she's taking some kind of pose like she's going to attack. It's a weird. It whatever, is. Whatever. But, it's fine. I love yeah, it. I, I, her when she she just really went all for it at the end there. And I love that. Yeah. I like that scene a lot. OK, that, um, that's it. <laughs> uh, a fun, fun fact for you. Stanley's cameo isn't the only cameo by a comic book writer in this movie. Oh, come on, nerd. What is it? Uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, who helped revive the character and moved her from being Miss Marvel to Captain Marvel in around. Oh, the she's in the she's on the train. She's right after the train scene. Yeah, right. OK, so, so keep an eye out for her. She's actually married to Matt Fraction, friend okay. of the program who we've referenced friend of the program <laughs> without knowing it. <laughs> he doesn't know it, but we're I like to think we're friends. Uh, he's written a lot of the, the Hawkeye series and um, some Thor books that we've referenced and, and recommended in the past. So, right. I also you, you pointed to the, to the time on like the, the Louisiana farm there. Yes. I really, really liked Maria and Monica. Yeah. And I would have just liked the movie with the two of them. Although, well, I know that Monica becomes. She's going to become a character yeah, in, in uh, WandaVision. Oh, yeah. I should get. Well, how does Monica know how to use the color pad on Captain Marvel suit? Technology she's never seen before. How does she know how to do that, Pat? Yeah, exactly. So I was going <laughs> to, forgetting that it takes place in the 90s, she's probably born with a tablet in her hands, yeah. but then it takes place in the 90s, so I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's fine, though. No. Yeah. It's a movie. I understand. Well, I, Carol showed her first, and then I think she oh, did please. her She was like putting her finger I around. She like she just yeah. like swiped a circle, you know, a, a holographic circle on there, and then the girl just <laughs> knew how to swipe. <laughs> One of the things I did not like is the uh, the like when Minerva. I don't like the Minerva character because she's so just, just one note angry yeah. jerk, and she's like C fifty three is a real. Oh, I know. I'm just, she says a bad word. C fifty three is a real. You know what? And then it's just like ah, oh yeah, right. It's so crappy. And it's like oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. Really, we get it. I love. I love when I love in movies when the joke is that Earth sucks. And I just love it. I love like it's like you know, Earth blows. It's filthy. It's disgusting. Yeah. It's terrible. It's like you got to let that says a lot about the writer. Right. <laughs> You're right. How many times do we need to see that that yeah. trope? Yeah, now, exactly. That, like Earth. Earth ain't perfect, but you know where else are you going? Right. <laughs> the moon got nobody. The rest of the nine, you know, eight eight to nine planets in our Listen, solar system. If you watch the expanse like I do, then you know you can go to the belt if you'd like, or you can go to Mars. But you know they're fighting right now, so uh, you really probably can't do that. So. Yeah, that's right. Nerd out. Um, All right. So if you don't got nothing else to crap on in this movie, Pat, why don't we move on to the differences yes. between this movie and the comic? I guess right off the bat, because this is the first time we've done this character, I would assume. Why don't you introduce the character in, uh, in terms of how she is introduced within the comic world, like, yes. as you like to do? First of all, I want to actually acknowledge that this is a very good adaptation of the character. They, similar to what we saw with Black Panther. They took a lot of the things from Carol's core storyline and a couple other characters' core storyline and just updated it, tied things together as, as best they could. Carol Danvers first appeared in Marvel Superheroes number 13 in 1968, created by Roy Thomas and Gene Cologne. We've 
seen Roy and Gene in, in a number of books that we've recommended in the past. Carol is a security chief at an Air Force base. Again, she, it's the 60s, so she can't really fly. I noticed. <laughs> yeah, I, I know that in the movie or they asked about they did backgrounds about whether she would be would be a pilot yeah. in the 90s. So, yeah. But yeah, they said yes. Yeah, and she is. And, and they, I mean, they acknowledge the fact that, you know, it's hard coming up in the 90s, mm-hmm. you know, to be a pilot. And so they had to take whatever practice flights they could get her and, and uh, Maria. Carol meets Dr. Walter Lawson. They, they gender swap it in this movie. Lawson is the alias of the Cree hero, Captain Marvel, a.k.a. Marvel. He was created by Stan Lee and Gene Cologne in the issue prior. So Marvel Superheroes number 12. He initially wears the, the white green when he's in his superhero mode. He wears the white green armor of the Cree soldier. So it's kind of similar to what we see with like Jude Law's gang. But it's a lot more white instead of that blue blackish. In the comic, is that supposed to be uh, the antithesis of DC's Green Lantern? It's a lot of it's. I don't want to call it the antithesis, but it, a well, lot of these guys are stealing. Like, that's what I'm saying. Sci-fi. Yeah. So in the 60s, in comic books, they really hit on the sci-fi pieces. You know, we were going to the moon. Kennedy was was talking about the new frontier. And you got a lot of these sci-fi writers coming in. So DC had Jules Schwartz, who was an editor. Who, who took on the Green Lantern books and the, the Flash books. So really just trying to tie in a lot of space and, and space opera storylines. And so likewise, what's selling for one book is going to sell for another. So they Marvel was was really kind of pushing a lot of the sci-fi stuff. And they were the ones that I would even say introduced some of the sci-fi aspect in the Fantastic Four and the X-Men. They were both, both sides were pushing for, for more space stories. And so you got a lot of push, whether it's the Legion of Superheroes in DC the Kree scroll fight in Marvel. I, I don't know if I'd, I'd call it antithesis, but it's certainly they self-reference everyone all the time, constantly right. in comic books. So a little bit on Marvel, uh, Walter Lawson's character. He eventually joins the Avengers for a bit. He heads up into space. He kind of does his own thing. Nine years after her introduction is when Carol Danvers is introduced as Miss Marvel. And so she gains her powers from an accident she gets amnesia. There was a real big push in comics at the time to empower more female superheroes, make, you know, create more female superheroes. So they took this character that had been introduced kind of as like a throwaway. She was a little bit of a love interest for, for Marvel for a little bit. And they gave her powers. She's in this accident that's caused by Jan Rog and she gains her powers. So she becomes a member of the Avengers. And so for a long time, she was, you know, one of Marvel's top female superheroes. But Marvel didn't really know what to do with her for a long time. She was just there. She was hanging about. There was a lot of reintroductions and everything. But, you know, it's outside from the X-Men, the Scarlet Witch, Black Widow, Wasp. There was Miss Marvel, who also went by Warbird and a handful of other names just to, you know, be interesting. So this Captain Marvel is not Miss Marvel? This Captain Marvel is Miss Marvel. Okay. The same Miss Marvel that we talked about in Civil War that beats the crap out of people? Was that? Uh, yeah. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the same character. It's the same character. Okay. So in 2012, she is uh, Kelly Sudakonic, who we, we touched on before. She takes over the book and she promotes Carol Danvers to Captain Marvel. Okay. And so she grew huge in popularity. It was a peak 2012 series where there was a lot of self-referential-ism. There's you know, a lot of fun, a lot of sarcasm. It was you know shortly after Hawkeye had been reinvented in a similar fashion. So the, Kelly Sue was able to take this kind of stale character and really re- revision her to 2012 to, to empower. And it was you know perfect because it was, you know, we're seeing a lot of that stuff in the news as well. And so fans flocked to it. And you got a lot of fans who called themselves the Carol Core. What? The, the, fans of the comic? Fans of the comic. Okay. And the then ca- fans, and then there were characters in the comics who referenced those fans. So one was Catherine Renner, who uh is referred to by Carol as Lieutenant Trouble and wears right. a similar shirt that Monica Rambo wears in this movie. So it's, you know, the fandom is building outside the comic, but it's actually building within the comic as well. Okay. Let me, let me just make one thing very clear about the character. <laughs> okay. Nobody really likes her. Carol Danvers. You mean, in, what do you in mean? The people who read it? In the comics. Is, this, I, is it, hold on, men? Is this men who don't like her? She's not written well either, a lot of times. Outside the Kelly Sue run... So she starts this whole thing called Civil War Two, which is essentially a rip on Minority Report. Okay. There's a, there's a character who has precog abilities, can predict when things are going to happen. 
Carol wants to use this and stop things from happening. And it, and it goes a little too far. And so Captain America, in, in trying to come up with something nice to say about Carol, says, well, she's not Satan. <laughs> All right. Well, so, so she's more terrestrial in this movie than she is other off worlds. No, she's, she's very terrestrial. She's more earth based. She's in very terrestrial in the comics. Not the movie. She's yeah. more earth based in the comic. Okay. Yep. But she's not as powerful. No, nowhere near as powerful. Okay. I think we touched on it in the Infinity War one. Right, right, right. Where she tries to fight Thanos and Thanos without the, the stones throws her through a mountain. That's Carol Danvers. She's had a mix of a history. I think if we could move as comic writers can move past that Civil War II nonsense, which just was not well received, and maybe give her a fresh take on the character again, you know, in relation to how they're they're using her in the films, it might help a lot. Do you prefer how she is in the comic in terms of Earth-based, or do you prefer how she is in the movies, where she's more in space? Because she's not, I know she's an Earthling. She's an of, Earthling, but she's but not. She's not really, because she, she disappears Earth, yeah. for at least, you know, 25 years. Again, in the comics, she's, it is mostly for, for most of her history, she's Earth-based. They made her a little bit more extraterrestrial based, uh, which is nice to see. And there was a the series, it's called Infinity, which we touched on in the Infinity War episode. It's about a, a space invasion. And she is, is part of that group that's out in space all the time. So okay. I think more of that would help her and, and maybe just kind of separating her from the kitschy little in-universe fans. Okay. There's a lot of stuff that confuses me with Captain Marvel yeah. in terms of Marvel, Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel, mm-hmm. the Captain Marvel that's with DC. It's just it's Shazam. Like all this stuff confuses the heck out of me. Okay. So maybe we'll go through it all and we'll, I'll bring them up when you could just your explanations will probably not help. But no, I, yeah. I'll try I'll do my best. So I want to. Oh, can I add one more thing? Yeah, to, to you can do whatever you want. Piece. So after Carol became Captain Marvel, there was another character called Kamala Khan who became Miss Marvel. She gained power. She was a, a fan of, of Captain Marvel. So she became her own superhero. We're going to get a Disney Plus series on her. But she has nothing to do with Captain Marvel. She just named she, her after, named herself after her. Yeah, Captain Marvel was her idol. Or like Miss Carol Danvers as Miss Marvel was Kamala's idol. Okay. And But there's no like Kree or Scroll or anything, you know, related to, to Kamala. She just gained some extra powers. She doesn't gain the same powers as Captain no, Marvel? No, she gained uh, shape-shifting powers. So a little Scroll like... Scroll power. More shape-shifting like Reed Richards in the Fantastic Four. Okay. What about Monica Rambeau? My note is that she gets superpowers in the comics and she becomes Photon or mm-hmm. also Pulsar Spectrum like the internet and Captain Marvel again. What, what is this? Yeah. What, tell me what's so, going on here. So Monica Rambeau, uh, she, she is the daughter of Maria. Maria doesn't have a lot of page time in okay. the comics. So she's, it was a nice addition in here, but nothing, nothing big. So... She gets her, her powers in a similar way to Carol. She gets caught in an energy blast from the explosion of an interdimensional weapon. So very similar to both yeah. Carol in the comics and Carol in the movies. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Always, <laughs> always happening. I have to do my best to avoid that. So she joins the Avengers as she's learning to work with her powers. And so Captain Marvel, I'm sorry, Captain America and the Wasp begin to train her. The press and public actually call her Captain Marvel. And there, there's an out of comic reason for that too. And we're going to get to that when we talk about the DC, the differences with DC. And so the thing from the fantastic force says, yeah, well there was a captain Marvel, but he's not going to care if you use it. So do what you got to do. Um, <laughs> okay. And so she becomes, so uh, Monica Rambeau becomes the first female African-American member in the Avengers. And she, you know, is just a member of the team. She has energy manipulation powers. Uh, she can travel in like she, she turns into like a ball of energy basically and can travel through space she eventually becomes the leader of the avengers she, she's on it for so long people you know there's turnover and she works her way up <laughs> so much turnover in the avengers there's a lot of turnover. turnover mean like people quit or people die both oh nice yeah we never asked we never talked about this but in the comics how do you become a member of the avengers do you just show up and say like i got powers can i join the team or do you have to fill out an application do you have to get vetted like what how do you join the avengers I think it's a little bit of everything. Okay. It's, it's you show up like, so Monica showed up and was like, I have these powers. I don't know what to do with it. So she became an auxiliary member essentially to begin with. Okay. And Captain America and Wasp began to train her once they figured, okay, you know how to use your powers. You're on the team. Okay. All and right. so she was vouched for by Captain America Wasp. I she- feel like the X-Men have, have it down a little bit better. There's a school, <laughs> they learn things, then they develop their, but I feel like the X-Men have that set up a little bit better than the Avengers. just seems like, Hey man, I can blast things out of my eyes. Can I join up? Oh, what's up? Yeah. 
And then there's a hierarchy on the team. So like if you're like, oh, I could just do this. What up? Yeah. yeah. Like, all right, you're in the back, <laughs> but you're on the team. Yeah. Right, um, talk about Captain Marvel Shazam, Captain Marvel. Oh DC. yeah, I was gonna, I was uh, gonna touch on uh, Monica's. Oh, different name go ahead, changes. go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, I'm sorry, I'm um, skipping ahead. So eventually, she actually lost her powers for a very short time. When she got them back and she returned to super heroics, she began calling herself Photon because the son of the original Marvel, Captain Marvel wanted to use the name and she said okay you could you could have it here's captain marvel whatever I'll they really be- dedicate pages in the comics to these conversations i really want this name okay fine you can make this name there's an issue every month man that, that would bore me that was three three, three pages of deciding a name you gotta fill pages <laughs> so so she picks photon eventually that same character the, the marvel's son who had previously called himself captain marvel Decided to use the name Photon. Oh, for God's So then she's like, okay, you could use it. I'll be Pulsar or Spectrum or, or one of the two. I forget the order of them. I'll be Optimum. <laughs> I'll be Frontier. <laughs> this is a recommended reading that we're not going to give at the end, but uh, she becomes a, a member of Next Wave, which they're agents of HATE, another organization which stands for Highest Anti-Terrorism Effort. Excellent. That, that's which, somebody, somebody made that up in a room. <laughs> I need acronyms. Go. You got no love for this. I just uh, go ahead. I, no, no, there's uh, I can't remember what the name of it is, but there's a new one. If anybody's reading the series Champions, uh, which stars Nova, uh, Viv Vision, uh, Miles Morales, Miss Marvel, Cradle. There's an organization called Cradle, which is about the registration of young superheroes. I cannot remember what it stands for. But again, somebody's like in a room saying it needs to be Cradle. Come up with words that tie into that. Ridiculous. Yeah. So what else you want to know? Shazam. I want to know about, I want to know about DC's Captain Marvel. So yes, oddly enough, these movies came out right around the same time. The Shazam Uh, movie and the Captain Marvel. I know I've said this before. I think on the podcast, I actually really like Shazam. Shazam is fantastic. I I think, I think that's a, it's a fun movie. Yeah, Yeah. it is. Zachary Levi. I've loved him since Chuck. I know. I don't like Chuck. I don't like Chuck, but which is weird because you like, I like him. No, because that's why, because I don't like something that is overly referential. Like when it's, I also don't like something when, People keep telling me it's awesome. People keep telling me it's awesome and they build it up, build it up, build it up. And then I watch a couple episodes. And I'm like, it's fine. Okay. Yeah, but, but it's fine. I'm not, right. I'm not hating on Chuck. I just didn't get into it. Yeah. Um, but but I, do, Levi. I do like him. He's, he's really good in uh, Mrs. Maisel. Yes. He's really good in that. And he's good in Shazam. But go ahead. Yeah. So the character Shazam, AKA Captain Marvel, he's the character with the big red costume, the lightning bolt on his chest. He was created by Fawcett Comics in uh, 1940. So he's actually one of the oldest superheroes. He predates Captain Marvel. He predates MC, Captain Marvel. Uh, he Marvel's predates Captain Marvel. the Marvel Captain Marvel. Okay. Yep. Or Marvel. Um, so another thing to notice is at the time, once Superman came out, comic books were flying off the shelf. So every single publisher out there and more publishers popped up, they started just publishing superheroes. So okay. DC, you know, National Comics was DC Comics. Fawcett Comics, EC Comics, Timely Comics, which became Marvel Comics, anything that you could think of, they were just publishing superheroes. So he was the captain, the the Fawcett Comics, which would become the DC Comics, Captain Marvel, was a huge ripoff of Superman. Okay. Absolutely a ripoff. Big guy, big chest, you know, big, big logo on his chest. The cover in, in the original artwork was extremely similar to uh, Action Comics number one. DC sued them over it for copyright infringement. And, and it was in court for a very long time. Uh, eventually, it got settled out of court with the presiding judge. The original presiding judge agreed that Fawcett copyrighted Superman. Uh, there were a couple of legal loopholes when Superman used some, you know, the writers of Superman used different things that helped Fawcett so that, you know, they didn't have to essentially pay DC anything. But what they did was Fawcett ceased publication of their Captain Marvel. Flash forward into the 60s, character named Captain Marvel was out of publication for about 15 years. And so Stan Lee, who was at Timely, Atlas, and now Marvel Comics, was like, well, let's let's make a character with our with our name in it. So he developed Marvel, Walter Lawson, and he made him Captain Marvel. And he thought, oh, this is clever. We had a superhero with our publisher's name in it. This is perfect. DC in the 1970s acquired Fawcett Comics. So they acquired all their back catalog of characters, including the Shazam Captain Marvel character. And so when they they brought him back, they couldn't title the series Captain Marvel because Marvel was currently publishing their own series called Captain Marvel. 
And so Marvel, in order to continue, you know, holding on to this, had to keep publishing a Captain Marvel series, which is why once Marvel moves on and, and you know, isn't really a focus anymore, Monica Rambeau becomes Captain Marvel. So they're, they're constantly refreshing the identity of the character so they could keep publishing them. DC, being who they are, published a series called Shazam, the original Captain Marvel. <laughs> nice. Which they had to remove and say, Shazam, world's <laughs> mightiest mortal. That's how Marvel kept publishing. You know, Marvel kept publishing to retain the trademark. Mm-hmm. And so DC can't publish a book that has Captain Marvel in the title. Until a Marvel ends their run? I don't think it's allowed anymore because I think there might have been some pauses in there, but I think it's so tied in with Marvel mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that DC just can't do it. Okay. The Supergirl, her name in the comics is Kara Danvers. Yes. Is that uh, on purpose? No. Okay. Yeah. So that's completely a coincidence. So one of the, the many Supergirls in the comics is Kara Danvers. And obviously we have Carol Danvers. As far as anybody can tell, and I tried to do as much research on this one as I could, just a coincidence. So Kara, Supergirl, was created in the late 50s, and she assumed the identity. So her name is Kara Zor-El. She assumed the identity, the last name of her adoptive family. Okay. So Danvers, similar to you know, Clark Kent. Carol was created in the, the late 60s, as we talked about, and really wasn't intended to be much of anything until they, they did you know, stuff with the character right. in the 70s. So it just was a weird coincidence that you know, nobody was trying to do it, just circumstances of the characters they wanted to build on. Right. Okay. The Mohawk, yep. the helmet of Captain Marvel. I know that you see it a couple times in the movie, but the nod to the comic. I even I know that that is the look from the comic, and mm-hmm. I don't know how I know it. It must have just been I must have seen it somewhere. Uh, I guess I don't know. Do That's you like it. that? I mean, uh, yeah, it's fine because she ends up wearing the in this movie throughout the whole movie. She ends up wearing the suit that she wore in the Kelly suit iconic run. So okay. the new, you know, the, the kind of flight suit looking thing, and she puts the helmet on. I'm cool with it. I think it's a it's a better pick than the like bathing suit looking one that she had worn for 20 years. So in the comic, her hair is always short, which is probably why it's short in Endgame. Initially, her hair was long. So okay. when she was Miss Marvel, her hair was long. And so she that's yeah. But in Endgame, she has that short haircut. OK, I didn't so know. that was same thing like, in the comics. Okay. She wears the short haircut a lot. Do you want to talk about the scrolls? A little bit. We could touch on them. I guess they. I have the. My note here is that they make their debut in the Fantastic Four comics. We, we might have talked about this. I think we right? talked about yeah. it a little bit. Yeah. Oh, so okay. they make their debut in Fantastic Four, number two, created by Stan and Jack. They're the villains, you know. And, and so I yeah, think that's right. why yeah. this movie was hard to take for a lot of fans. Is the scrolls are villains, and they're always the bad guys. There, there's a handful of sympathetic ones here and there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, they're they're the bad guys. Again, you know, Talos. I don't know why they they did it in this movie, but he couldn't shape shift. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was, he was kind of ostracized from the rest of the scroll, you know, his peers. So that's something you have to learn as a scroll or you don't No, you're born with the ability to it. And he, he was born without the ability to, to shapeshift. Why? It was a character. They wanted to develop this character. Why they, they decided to use the name in Captain Marvel. I don't know. Hmm. It's very convenient that Talos has the same voice as the character that he portrayed. Uh, Nick Fury's boss. Oh, right. Yeah. (laughs) Ben I liked his voice so much I used it. <laughs> and nobody like nobody caught it. Yeah, I know. I know. Um one of the most famous storylines cuz they're they're constantly at war with the screen uh, the Cree Empire is the Cree Scroll War. And Which so they talk about, right? Yeah, so it takes place that the, the official war, the, the storyline the Cree Scroll War takes place in Avengers 89 through 97. It served in a lot of ways as a metaphor for political issues at the time and, and prior to it, which, you know, including, you know, the Arab Israel war, the house on American activities committee. One add to the list of a dozen things we said to note about comics is a lot of writers and a lot of books were uh, blacklisted in the, the fifties. So the, the house on American activities committee, the Joseph McCarthyism, everybody's a communist, the, the hunt for, for people who are, are supporters is, you know, very ingrained in a lot of these writers because they, they lost friends to it. They lost colleagues to it. And, and so I think when given an opportunity to tell a story about it, they really take that to heart. And, and you know, so this is probably one of the most famous Avengers stories because it, it hits on these these political themes, but in a, a way that ties into the Avengers. I don't want to give too much away because it is one of our recommended reading, you know, one of the ones that we, we put yeah. in there. But 
a lot of the scrolls actually end up shape shifting into Avengers and impersonating the Avengers and disbanding the team so that they can't stop this this coming fight to them. Okay. This is actually the beginning of the romance for Wanda and Vision. If you like you know WandaVision, check the check the story out. I don't want to go into it too much, but this is the scrolls have come to Earth. They've started to impersonate the Avengers. It's really building on this this really political fear and feeling that that a lot of people had. Not that I want to go down this road yeah. because I think we should move on to the next segment, but when a scroll imitates an Avenger, they imitate their powers too. Yes. So what the what are these guys? How is that possible? I don't know because so that that becomes the whole plot line of Secret Invasion. So Secret Invasion we touched on and they are going to make the show. We talk about it in our bonus episode. And we didn't think it was ever going to be possible that they'd make a Secret Invasion show and then they did. <laughs> in it we realized that a lot of characters who we've been following for years and years were scrolls. That's ridiculous. And they had been members of the Avengers for years. So I'm going to ask this question. Did a scroll ever impersonate Thor? Yeah, uh, in this one, he did. That's, that's uh, ridiculous. How, yeah. how is that possible if Thor is the only person that can ha- hold the hammer and you imitate him? I don't know if you... I have to look at it again. I don't remember if you see him holding the hammer. That's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I'm not a fan of that, I'm but we should move on. All right. So you already teased that a lot of your issues with this movie is its place in the MCU. Yes. Why not hit me with your biggest, your biggest issue? All right. Uh, first of all, this is a two hour movie to just explain how the Tesseract ended up in shield hands. Okay. Second, it <laughs> completely upends the whole, you know, shield plot in Iron Man when Coulson is like, yeah, you know, we're really working on an acronym or, or something to shorten. Like Coulson seems like a new agent to shield. Okay. Yeah. Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement Logistics Division, because they don't call it shield until the end. Mm hmm. He seems to know about S.H.I.E.L.D. in this, like, you know, right away. This is 95. This is 95. Iron Man takes place in 2008. So that's 13 years later. 13 years, yeah. and he's a buffoon in Iron Man. <laughs> and he's been working with Nick Fury since. We've got some um, problems here. Yep. Yep. Okay. This is probably the biggest. Well, this is, I don't know. The next two are probably the biggest ones. One is, I trust you not to eat me. And this is, you know, what Nick Fury says to the Flurkin. You know, and in Captain America Winter Soldier, he explains yes. that he got the eye. You know, he I was scarred over the last time he trusted somebody. Come on. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> this is the dumbest thing ever. You throw away line to tie something in when it doesn't need to be tied in. This is like the gold dice in solo. Yes. Yeah. You put the gold dice in solo so that you could see the gold dice in because know, of the Force di- Awakens because or the, Last yeah, Jedi or something. No, because no, the gold dice were in the Millennium Falcon during the original trilogy. So they added the, like that was part yes. of that. It was like some just kind of decoration. And then you make it even right. more of a point. But, but yeah. And you so you you make that gold dice symbolic, even though it's just a decoration in Millennium yeah. Falcon back in the original series. But I will tell you this. Those original dice in the original trilogy for Star Wars were in there because the production designer saw the the dice in the car window of Harrison Ford's car in American Graffiti and that's why he did it but he's wrong because the dice aren't in Harrison Ford's car in American Graffiti they're actually in Ron Howard's car in American Graffiti Harrison Ford's car has a skull hanging from that's the right. uh, the rearview mirror so uh it's all a lie it's all a lie people <laughs> i you, hear you that. build Back a to movie <laughs> you build a movie to add this stupid little connection in I didn't realize it was, I really, throughout these entire movies, because this is the 23rd film in the, in the MCU. 22nd? No, 23rd, because Endgame's 24, right? No, 20, this is the 21st, because Endgame is 22nd and Spider-Man is 23rd. No, no, no. Six, six. Six. Six, 18. Yep. 20, you're right. 21st? 21st. Okay. I never really had any inclination or any desire to find out how he lost his eye some things you don't need to know but like was that a big thing where people wanted to know that he referenced it like oh you know i don't think you needed to see it maybe do you think that when they were writing this movie that came up hey listen he's gonna have both eyes but do you want us to explain how he loses this eye absolutely yeah i understand what you're saying and i i kind of agree with you but i never really wanted to know i didn't want to know know what i mean so i didn't really care it's a little irresponsible that he never gets it checked out. Everyone's right. like, that looks like crap. Ah, I'm fine. You can't see out of your left eye. You're not going to go to the doctor ever. You get scratched by an alien cat and you're not going to get that <laughs> checked out. Come on. And then he keeps the cat. Right. Then he keeps the cat. We, you, we never see again. Do you think you kill the Flurgan after he coughs up the Tesseract on his desk? He probably did. 
Do you think somebody walked in to put something on his desk and was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> ah, that's new paperwork. That's sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and how does he explain that he got it back? I, oh, it just I showed up. It just I, showed up in my know, office. I can't remember where, that's, where the Tesseract goes after that. Where does it go after this? It goes into a shield warehouse until they get, uh, until Thor. And then they're working on and it. And then they get Selvig to work on it. And okay. then it, Avengers happens and Loki comes out of the portal and steals the Tesseract. And we begin the whole journey. <laughs> <laughs> and then the second most frustrating thing is the Avengers initiative. <laughs> what was it called originally? The Protector's <laughs> Initiative or something, which sounds like. I don't know what it sounds like, but you don't like the fact that he gets the name off of her call sign. No. Why? Well, first of all, her call sign in the comics is cheeseburger. I saw that because <laughs> the she, cheeseburger initiative, <laughs> cheeseburger initiative. And she gets it because she pukes up a cheeseburger during training. Excellent. Which since we're on that subject, best movie call sign. Who you got? Maverick. Oh, I was going to go Merlin. Oh, Maverick. Are you kidding me? You're not going Top Gun Maverick? You're going, going Merlin from Top Gun? I'm going Merlin Merlin's from Top Gun. Merlin's a bitch in Top Gun. Are you I kidding like Merlin me? or Viper. Nah, Viper's okay. No, Maverick. Come yeah, on, Pat. Right. Everyone and their mother's going Maverick. Listen, I cannot wait for Top Gun Maverick. Which, do you think Goose? Well, I know Goose is a terrible name. Goose is, <laughs> Goose is the cat's name. Is it? The cat. In oh, the they comic. did that on purpose. The cat in the comics is Goose. That's why they. Yeah, that's what I. But I heard that the Goose is for is for Top Gun. For Top Gun. Yeah, for the nineties. Yeah. yeah, no. Merlin. I think so. Wow. Merlin or Viper? I'll tell you right now. Would you want me, Wolfman? Hollywood. Hollywood's okay, but <laughs> Hollywood's not bad. But Maverick. Uh, here's the thing. You need to put that on Instagram during this during this week. <laughs> the, the best call sign. The best call and, sign. And you could say you. You need to tell uh, people you think it's I'd Merlin. Say Merlin. No way. Well, this is the quote. What's that? Pull this as the quote. Oh, I, okay. Mav- Merlin. Maverick, of course. Merlin. Yeah, I just think, you know, I, I don't know. It, that frustrates me as they're trying so hard to tie her into the Avengers, which I think, you know, we were surprised by the uh, the money it made. I'm not surprised. I think it's a it's a positive. It's a female positive movie. That's it is a fine. Female positive I'm, I'm movie. okay with all that. I think there was a little. Obviously, I don't, I don't need to. I don't know why I'm qualifying that. Yes, <laughs> it's completely fine. I think there was a lack of response, though, by a lot of fans because they were so worried that she was going to come in and be this deus ex machina in Endgame because of how Infinity War ends. And like for me, Infinity War ended with that setup. And then I go watch this and I'm just like, OK, OK, OK. And then she destroys the spaceship or destroys the, the bombs that are coming down. And just like, Ugh, is she just going to be the one that comes in and saves the day in Endgame when she's not really part of the story? But you like that moment in Endgame because I don't like that moment. Oh, you in don't Endgame. like that? Endgame? No, oh, you don't like Endgame, right? No, I like Endgame, but I liked Infinity War better. Right. Uh, I I don't know. I mean, well, and we're going to talk about it again in Endgame. But the whole the whole all female reshoot they did, like, yeah. we talk about it when yeah. it's when it's forced in there and it feels forced in there. It's not genuine. I don't find that in this movie with her getting up that all that the, when they keep going back to yeah. her. No, I joked about the, the no, tub right, thing, there are different moments in time when she falls back down and gets backed up. That's a great message. And it's really done well within the movie. It's organic. So you're just like, yes, you in know, the like, movie, it's great. Right. Yeah. I think it's not watching it this time around. I liked it better because I wasn't so worried about her role in Endgame because I know sure. it gets reduced because I want to follow the characters I've just followed for 20 movies. Not sure. Have some new character from, you know this one movie just pop in and save the day. Right. I wanted to see Iron Man and, and Captain America and Black Widow and Hulk and Thor and, and Hawkeye save the day because those are the guys that are left over. They've been with us since the beginning. I didn't want this one care. And so when I watched it, the, you know, two months before Endgame came out, I was, that's what I was worried about is that she was going to come in and just steal the show. And because of how overpowered they make her in this movie, right. but watching it this, this second, cause this is the second time I watched it is it's much better knowing that they just reduce her her role. Yeah. The MCU, as we know it now, has they, they have things that, that they've created in terms of they've upped the ante on all these characters. Like we talk about it with Spider-Man. Spider-Man is now linked with Iron Man, but yeah. Spider-Man is also now linked in terms of off-world. He's not just your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man anymore. He, right. he will never be unless they have some kind of rewrite. But uh, And we've talked about that before. But they've also, each... You like all these new characters that you bring on, they have to be better than the original, you know, the yeah. other characters. Like Iron Man's great, but you got to have somebody who's better than Iron Man. Also, you have to start introducing new people, maybe yes, younger, but new people mm-hmm. for new audiences. Because if you want this to go to 40, 50, 60 movies, which I'm sure is the plan, absolutely, you need to have 
new blood in the movies. So you're it, it's 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 a dance you're doing. Mm-hmm. It's definitely and you and yes, it's hindsight's twenty twenty when we're sitting here criticizing how Shield was you know first developed yeah. thirteen years prior to Iron Man. But you know you just have to just go. You just have to kind of accept it and say you know not just you but producers are going to be like yes, listen, we're just we're doing this as we go. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's just that's just the nature and of the problem. And, and the, the I want to I want to comment on there because the Shield thing. That was a problem I had with Ant-Man, right. Ant-Man and the Wasp, because we know that they're working for S.H.I.E.L.D. Why they didn't make it the, the strategic, the SSR, which is what it was established in Captain America and through Peggy, Agent Carter. Why not just keep it SSR until like 2007? I don't know. Like that, that seemed like an easy. Soli- We've been watching these movies. We know what the SSR is. We know what it becomes. Why not just make it become mm-hmm. SSR in 2007, right before mm-hmm. Iron Man hits? So when Phil Coulson's like, yeah, 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 we're still working on shortening it. But when you establish it, him in this movie, he's part of the SSR. He knows the whole thing. He's just fumbling around trying to make it sound better in Iron Man. Instead, that, now it just seems weird. They can just they can also just they can adjust the whole Coulson talk with Iron Man by just making him. Unless he's a scroll. Uh, oh, is true. They, he's making him a scroll, or he's purposely being obtuse. He doesn't. He's not trying to reveal anything. Yeah. You know, they, they they can just say that, and that's fine. That's that's a reasonable explanation because uh, sometimes I view Shield as the CIA NSA. They're not going to yeah. really tell you the full story because you're not involved. But they can do that. Do you think this movie? And I don't really want to go too deep into this part, but I think we're both pretty decent human beings and, so. and, and progressive uh, gentlemen. Do you think this movie suffers from toxic fandom in terms of men? Yes. Yeah. It it just, it's so, it's so one note when people, when I have to listen to people talking about like that and they complain about the movie and I'm just like, you just just shut up. It's like, you're so stupid. And I I think, you know, my problem and I've I've hopefully made this clear. My problem with the film isn't so much, it's the way that they portray Carol in the in the movie initially because she's it's similar to Chadwick Boseman in, in Black Panther, but I think Chadwick has more meat to work with. Is he's the straight man versus everybody else is a lot more interesting. Right. Him. Same thing happens in this movie is despite that the movie is about Carol figuring out who she is, there's a lot more interesting characters and she's just not given a lot to work with. I think this movie probably would have been better not to cut you off was that the fact that she's trying to solve who she is, mm-hmm. but she really needs to fight supreme intelligence yes. not yan rog like not i know she breaks away from that you know, supreme intelligence but you think the supreme intelligence is gonna fight back and she doesn't she never goes after her you almost need to reverse this well take it so when carol is captive and she's meeting you know net benning is is supreme intelligence and and that's you know when she beats the supreme intelligence and she frees herself you almost need that scene then you have the scene against Yanrog down on Earth where they're fighting and she just blasts him away mm-hmm. and then go back and, and like fully obliterate the Supreme Intelligence. She needs to go. Yeah, she, needs, she to needs to face him. Yes. Or her or it. Or like you, you escaped. Okay, great. You take care of Yanrog and the goons. Go back. See, and that's re- why Ronan's there. Yeah. To do that. To have that moment where you can't. Because that's another 20, 30 minutes you're adding, you're adding to the movie. Yeah. But I agree. So this is, I think one of the things with this movie is it's trying to, it's trying to tell the story of Carol Danvers on earth, but she's really not from earth anymore. Right. She's never been, she, it's been six years, but she still has six years of experience off world where she needs to basically confront her captor. Yeah. Like Captain Marvel too. I don't know what it's about. I don't know what it's about. But either. I mean, is the Supreme Intelligence going to be involved? Is Ronan going to be, one of my questions to you was, is Ronan going to be, the bad guy, the villain now, and probably not because it, as it, what I what I've heard of it, I don't know what it what happens in it, but Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan is supposed to be in it. So that that series on Disney Plus isn't supposed to take place until 2023. Ronan got beat in Guardians of the Galaxy, which was 2012, right? So I don't know, and I think again, I like I like the fight scenes in this movie are good. The message is important. Having five writers screwed this up of course uh, this screws that's up where yeah. that's where and then trying to tie this into the greater mcu and that's really been our issue for a lot of movies is how it ties in the, the less connection it has usually the better movie it is mm-hmm. they were using her to build the future of the mcu as it's already been built they wanted like the foundation of the mcu was built with iron man captain america the first avenger and thor and, and avengers and then they went back in time 
and put you know mm-hmm. a frown a, a framework under the foundation mm-hmm. with this movie so i don't really mind I, I think yeah i think carol danvers doesn't get enough to do i think brie larson doesn't get it enough to do as carol danvers despite the fact you know there's a lot of fights but emotional scenes are lacking really formative character moments are lacking but it really comes down to they just throw stuff in here just to throw it in there Mm -hmm. and that to me is the problem with this movie well a lot of marvel characters uh, superheroes Mm -hmm. their weaknesses are their personalities or their personal connections or their ego or whatever like that's their weaknesses not like DC, where you have Superman, whose weakness is kryptonite, or yeah. you have Green Lantern's weakness is the color yellow. Like the reason why I'm bringing that up is you have created a Captain Marvel in the MCU who is basically Superman. She right. is Superman. What's her weakness? And and if you're gonna tell me if Marvel's gonna go in Captain Marvel two and make her weakness be something emotional or or something like that. I don't know if that is good enough. I think you need to give her a weakness like Superman where she loses her powers mm-hmm. and needs to learn how to be a hero without them. Or so because that's what you're going to need to do because you've created so the same message from Spider-Man. You yeah. Know, if, you're, if you're no one without the suit. Right. You know, then you're no one. But so, that but that message in Spider-Man is 20 minutes. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's tough. It, like I said, this goes to what we've what they've already created. So it's really difficult. And I know nobody wants to see origin stories again. Nobody wants, they've already seen these mm-hmm. before. I get it. But you, th- there's got to be a better way to do it then than what you're doing. Because right now it's just, and it doesn't, and honestly, it doesn't really matter because you could put anything up and people are going to go oh, watch absolutely. it. I mean, I know that everyone loves WandaVision and I have not seen it yet. And I know you have not seen it yet when we're recording this, but. You know, would anybody ever admit it wouldn't be bad? Like, is anybody ever going to admit? Is there not? Is there going to be a universally panning of a Marvel entity at some point? Not anymore. Exactly. Like, there is no. It doesn't it's, matter. It's not going to be a Wonder Woman eighty four moment where it comes out. Some There's of, still people that won't admit that it's not good. Uh, See, that's the thing. Yeah. See, here's the thing. Toxic fandom goes both ways. Yes. It goes obviously where you're just, you hate on everything, mm-hmm. but obviously when you love on everything, you can't admit something is flawed. You know, like people are like, did you like Wonder Woman, the first one? And I'm like, eh, it's okay. I like some moments and they right. get mad. It's like, it's okay. It's, it's okay. Uh, it's all right. I, you don't have to get, if the you love ending, it, you love it. Like a lot of these movies, the ending isn't great. Right. It doesn't wrap up very well. Right. Uh, and that's our, I think that's what we're trying to say here is, is, you know, we like these movies. We've, we've just done a whole podcast on sure. in 90% of the movies in the Marvel Universe. We like them. We enjoy them. We put them on. We have fun with them. And but we, there we like are levels them. of how, the, you know, how much we like. Yes. Them. Yeah. And we can admit that they have flaws. Like right. There are some really great moments in this right. movie. There are some really not great moments in this movie. And that goes for every movie, just like about every movie. I feel like we're doing a wrap up for the entire uh, series, but for the entire podcast. Almost. But I will say this, and I'll probably bring this up towards the end of Far From Home when we wrap everything up. Being honest about what we feel about these movies is obviously how people should be. But it also should tell you that when we say to you, Black Panther, we really like Black Panther. That should tell you how much we really like Black Panther. Like, cause we're not just blowing smoke. Yeah. You know, like, so when we like something in a movie, it, it, it it's disingenuine if we love everything about everything like things nothing's perfect right nothing's perfect and so if if we sit here and just blow smoke about a movie and then how are you ever going to know when we really like something how are you and and listen taste change i've watched movies when i was a child and i watch them later on i'm just like whoa why did i like that movie and it's you know young mike likes this movie but old mike doesn't like stuff like that like that it's when he becomes his father we are (laughs) we are allowed to have taste that change we're allowed it's all subjective me i don't know why i'm going down this road no i'm just gonna say i'll I'll end with this is just you know at the end of every uh, basically phase or you know half a phase whatever we we wrap up our movies and so we're actually recording this the day after we released our rankings for phase three part one there was a lot of differences in the comics. We're not taken away. If you like these movies, if you really like one movie over another, if you really love Captain Marvel, good, good. Awesome. Love Captain Marvel. Love the movie. Yeah. We're just, you know, this is, this is us watching it. We enjoyed it. There were some moments that really drove me nuts. Yes. Yeah. I, I hopefully articulated, but you know, we're not trying to take away your enjoyment from it. We're just thinking about it a different way and also providing some comic book background on these. Which we'll get to, but before we do that, I wanted to ask Pat one thing. Do you know what Pegasus stands for? I don't. I do. Tell me. Potential Energy Group Alternate Sources United States. Ah. 
<laughs> somebody wa- somebody in a room came up with a with an acronym. Uh, I, I'm reading it going, why? Like, like the <laughs> way it's just... written out, it's like there's a slash between potential energy group and alternate sources. So you couldn't even just say potential energy group of alternate sources for the United States. You had to just, <sighs> yeah. yeah, yeah, okay. So anyways, that's it. That's we it. hope you liked it. We hope, uh, you know, we hope you enjoyed us talking about Captain Marvel. Next week, we will return with the movie that's going to end it all, sort of. Well, until the next one, the wrap up movie. So like much like they do in, in, in TV shows now, they usually have the penultimate episode is where everything wraps up because the final episode is where you kind of wrap up the wrap up, <laughs> which I kind of appreciate because you're like, oh, all right. So Avengers Endgame next week. Get ready. We've got a lot to talk about. Pat, don't like it. I haven't seen it. I didn't since say I don't like it. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I haven't seen it since the, the theater, which I kind of like. I hadn't seen this since the theater. So yeah. it was a nice it was nice revisiting. It's three hours long, so I'm not looking forward to that. But oh, hey, crap. and I know I, I, I watched on Disney Plus and I'm like three, three or three. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but that's next week. Avengers Endgame. I will talk to you next week. Pat's going to let you have some recommended reading for Captain Marvel. Thanks a lot, everyone. As always, at the end of each episode, we like to send you home with some recommended reading that follows up on some of the characters and plots presented in this week's film. Our recommended reading section is sponsored by Infinite Heroes, comics, cards and collectibles in Watertown, Connecticut. If you're in the Connecticut or New England area, it's a great location to pick up comics from Marvel as well as DC, Image, and more. They also have a large collection of trading cards, toys, and collectibles. Owner Paul Santos has worked in comics for years, most recently as an editor at DC Comics. Ask him for a recommendation and tell him we sent you. All right, thank you for listening. Let's dive into some recommended reading for Captain Marvel. First up, go higher, further, faster, and Kelly Sudaconic's take on Carol Danvers in Captain Marvel Earth's Mightiest Hero. While technically this is Kelly Sue's second run on the character, it serves as a great jumping on point for new readers. Number two, Margaret Stoll explores Carol's backstory. She goes from Boston suburb to leader of the Avengers in the life of Captain Marvel. And finally, let's get some background on the shape-shifting aliens. Uh, Roy Thomas and Sal Buscema's Kree Scroll epic spread through 10 issues of the main Avengers series. The war comes to Earth and sees the scrolls impersonate members of the Avengers. Oh, and for fans of WandaVision, this has some great moments of Scarlet Witch and Vision getting together. Thanks for listening. Remember to please rate, review, and subscribe if you liked it. And please tell your friends. Uh, we thank you so much, and we'll see you next week.